shifting out of the vicarage in recent weeks has involved a lot of lifting and carrying. Uh, I was lugging a box of books into the Anglican Centre during the week, and I crossed a room where, where a, a group of colleagues were having lunch, and the box was so heavy that it felt like my arms were getting longer and my legs were getting shorter as I struggled across the room in front of everyone. Another comical thing happened years ago when I was a young engineer out with the family at the company picnic. And I had one of my young children in a push chair, um, along with an umbrella and lots of other things. You know how you festoon push chairs with all your gear. It was very loaded up. And I, as I was pushing all of this up a grassy slope, right in front of members of my maintenance crew and their families who were sitting there watching. And at just that moment, the pushchair, which was under considerable strain, decided to progressively collapse. And I just could not rescue the situation. Very embarrassing. I couldn't manage the burden. Sometimes God's call on our lives seems like a burden. Did not Jesus say that we were to take up our cross daily and follow him? To follow Jesus can at times be like carrying a burden. It certainly felt like a burden for the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah prophesied to the southern kingdom of Judah from 626 BC through to the fall of Jerusalem in 586 BC and a little beyond. Today is the last time I'll preach to you as your vicar. And because I wanted to preach a sermon rather than to give some kind of valedictory speech I decided to run with the readings as they were set uh, in the lectionary for today. So I did not choose these readings. But interestingly, um, we have the call of Jeremiah as our Old Testament reading and the rejection of Jesus in Nazareth as our gospel reading. And Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. And Jesus wept over Jerusalem. Uh, a burden, you see. Uh, Jeremiah was persecuted throughout his life. And Jesus, of course, was persecuted and died on a cross, a burden to carry. So interesting readings to have to deal with on my last Sunday. I'll let you make of that what you will. So look with me at Jeremiah chapter 1. The passage describes how God called and appointed Jeremiah as a prophet. It follows the same general pattern that we find in Isaiah and Ezekiel's call. Uh, God begins by addressing Jeremiah, saying, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Look first of all at the verbs, God knew, God consecrated, and God appointed Jeremiah. The word for knew uh, involves uh, intimate and personal knowledge. God knew Jeremiah through and through. The word for consecrated involves being specially chosen by God for a certain vocation. And the word for appoint involves being commissioned for a particular task, to be a prophet to not only Israel, but to the nations as well. And as God knew Jeremiah, so he knows us as well. And it's not to know superficially that God knows us, as we might know an acquaintance. God knows us deeply. God knew us before we were born. And God has set us apart as well. We're all set apart to be in God's family and to contribute to the growth of God's kingdom in some way. God knows, consecrated, and appointed you. So how did Jeremiah respond? Oh, Lord, thank you so much for recognizing my many excellent qualities. I've been waiting for this, and I'm certainly up for it. 
No, Jeremiah's answer is the universal answer that we can all relate to. No, he said, ah, Lord God, truly you have got the wrong person. Truly I will not be any good at this prophet business. Truly I am a shocking public speaker, and truly I am a mere infant, so people would not take me seriously and that would damage my self-esteem. I made that last part up. But God replied, Jeremiah, please believe me when I say that it's not all about you and your abilities or lack of abilities. And by the way, don't say I'm a mere infant. You are speaking with God after all, and I knew you before you were born. And here's some more information about your call. You shall go to all whom I send you, and you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them for I am with you to deliver you. And as we know, God then touched Jeremiah's lips and filled out his calling in even more detail in the very memorable words of verse 10. See, today I appoint you over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to pull down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. So what began as God's declaration that he knew, consecrated and appointed Jeremiah has now intensified and filled out. Jeremiah has been called to to pluck up and to pull down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Four negatives, did you notice, and two positives. Notice that God does not say, so Jeremiah, I hear you're unwilling, but would a part-time profit position suit you? No, apparently this is not God's way. God not only says, Do not say you are a mere boy. But he also clarifies and strengthens the call. We often assume God's love is a kind of permissive and indulgent thing. But God's love and grace are strong and good. It is we who need to be conformed to the demands of God's love and not vice versa. But nevertheless, this sounds rather heavy, doesn't it? Uh, God calls Jeremiah lays his hand upon him and commissions him to a very difficult assignment. It sounds like coercion, doesn't it? Uh, It runs strongly against the spirit of our modern age. Many years ago, Pip and I felt God's call to ministry. And it felt like us, that God had put his hand upon us. And a heavy hand it was. And at the time, we were both very uncertain about my qualifications for ordained ministry. I felt like I was only a boy, possibly looked like only a boy. So I said what you were thinking, right? But not only did God affirm uh, his call in my life, but that call was intensified. And at times that call has felt like a burden. Pip and I have felt a very strong sense of responsibility for the people of St. Barnabas. And as with Jeremiah, the call involves a mixture of deconstruction as well as construction. Some things have been plucked up or pulled down. Some people have left the parish. Some have died. Some ministries have closed. Some ministries have become smaller. And some people have become less involved. Church life is always changing. And there has been deconstruction. But there has also been revival and freshness and newness, and spiritual life, and new people, and new levels of worship and discipleship. There's been progress on our buildings. The grounds have been landscaped. There have been 
new ministries like 24-7 Youth Work at Boys High, English Language Class, uh, thank you, Olive, and Messy Church, thank you, Angela, uh, to name just a few. Other ministries have had new energy and new life with new people and a fresh vision. Some things have been, been deconstructed, and that's painful. But, you know, other things have been raised up, and that's exciting. In the last 11 years, we've experienced both the pain and the joy of ministry among you. But this idea of destroying and raising up is a central, if not the central theme in Scripture. Jesus himself said in a, parad a paradoxical saying to his opponents in John chapter 2, verse 19, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Jesus was to give up his life on the cross. The temple of his body, if you will, would be destroyed, but God would raise him to life on the third day. And those words, destroy and raise up, are both there in Jeremiah. You see, this is the DNA of the church, this idea of death and resurrection. Jesus yielded his life on the cross. He took our wrongdoing, our hatred, our greed, our brokenness, our selfishness, and took all this into himself, and he died on the cross. And Holy Saturday makes it crystal clear that Jesus really did die. His dead body lay in the tomb. Deconstruction was complete, or so it seemed. You see, our God is a God of hope and new beginnings. And on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead. He had broken the power of death and would never die again. Now, this movement from deconstruction to resurrection has been stamped upon the church's life for 2,000 years, and it happens in small ways all the time and in bigger ways. From tomorrow, St. Barnabas will be in transition between vicars, so-called interregnum period, and it may feel very exciting to some, but for others, there's a feeling of loss and discontinuity. Some will anticipate the newness with open arms, but for others, it will feel more like a death. Things that haven't been done, ministries that are vulnerable, relationships that will change. Add to that the Hall Project, which is going to start tomorrow. Interesting timing. And Omicron, which the church will experience as significant stressors. And you'll readily see that the next six months will be very challenging indeed. So how do we respond in this time of transition? First of all, recognize what's going on. Recognize that some things are not going to be the same. Yes, lots of things will be, will be the same, but significant things will be different. Secondly, be prepared to change and be flexible, adaptable, and resilient. Even when it comes to this worship space, we have to accommodate 8, 9, and 10.30 from now on with different instrument arrangements and children's needs and all of that. The church has been here for a long time, and we need to trust that God has our future secure. Thirdly, and this is an important one, do not hurry forward with unnecessary haste. Sit with a discomfort, feel it, talk about it, name it. This is like Holy Saturday when the disciples felt their loss. 
Fourthly, support one another and love one another. Remember that everyone is doing their best with the resources they have, and it's folly to judge someone's actions or words on the superficial. Each of us have got many issues in our lives and our backgrounds. We need to give grace and love one another, especially in this time of transition. And fifthly, remember that later in the year, Omicron will have diminished. The hall will be finished. There'll be a new vicar and a renewed staff team and your mission as a parish will go forward. Pray for it and believe that it will happen. God is a God of new beginnings. I return to my story about the collapsing pushchair. Um, I was carrying a burden that in the end overwhelmed me. And the more I pushed, the worse it got. The pushchair began to collapse on the poor child beneath. When we feel the burden of our calling and of work and of family and of life in general, ask God to come and supply your need. Stop pushing. Stop striving. Pray for God's grace to sustain and support you and our parish family. In God's time, there will be relief. Easter Day will follow Good Friday and Holy Saturday. I finally conclude by thanking you all for the privilege of leading you in these last 11 years. You've been enthusiastic, committed, and generous. We've laughed together, cried together, and grown together. Personally, I feel I've grown in my faith in Christ because of you. Your obedience and desire to contribute to growing the kingdom of God has been an inspiration, and I've been blessed by that. I especially thank Jenny and all the members of the parish staff for your commitment and faithfulness to the mission of our church. You really do extraordinary, uh, extraordinary good work and hard work. I thank all members of Vestry, past and present, for your wisdom and hard work. I thank wardens, Wendy and Marcus. You've been wardens for some time now. Thank you for your fellowship, your prayers, support and wisdom. I'm not going to name too many people, but I'll name... I will name two, and you'll understand why. I thank Don McKenzie. Thank you, Don. You're at the back serving on the computer. Don was my warden for many years and was very supportive, worked so hard for, for us all, for me, but everyone. Thank you, Don. And for Cor Corin Haynes, who has been especially supportive of me and very available uh, in so many different ways. So special thanks to Don and Corin, but to everyone all the leaders of our many ministries, and indeed all parishioners for your support and prayers. Thank you all. Haerara. Farewell.